0: Hello everyone and welcome to the October 19th edition of the Warcomp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Skarin Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A WCAB panel ruled that a tree trimmer's amputation was a sudden and extraordinary event of employment. Here's what happened in the case of Chavez v. Cut It Right Tree Service and the State Compensation Insurance Fund. Jaime Chavez Jr. claimed multiple injuries in 2017, while employed as a tree trimmer by Cut It Right Tree Service. He was assigned to cut multiple mulberry trees and a camphor tree, and his task was to strip the three mulberry trees, to clear and shape them, and to clear and shape the camphor tree. He became concerned with how the ground crew was handling the debris. The brush was being moved in a manner that tangled his rope so he spoke with both the members of the ground crew to stop playing with his life. It appeared that they improved in their work, but after lunch he heard an explosion, and at first thought that the chainsaw had blown or the wood chipper. But he then saw that his harness had cinched up, and his leg had been ripped off and was hanging. He realized later that the rope had wrapped around his leg, pulled tight and then noticed that the left pant leg was now hanging and the rope auto-amputated his leg from the knee down. Mr. Chavez testified that he had 15 years working in the tree trimming business and prior to what happened to him, he has not heard of anyone suffering a leg amputation. Before the trial, the party stipulated to injury, but one of the issues was whether this was a sudden and extraordinary event. The defense contended that applicants' psychiatric injuries were barred by the six-month rule. The Warcomp judge, however, concluded that from a plain reading of the facts of this case, it is clear that this was both a violent act and a sudden and extraordinary event as defined under Labor Code 3208.3. Thus, Mr. Chavez was entitled to benefits for psychiatric injuries, and the defendant's petition for reconsideration of this finding was denied in the panel decision. The legislative and judicial history of Section 3208.3D show that a sudden and extraordinary employment condition means something that is not regular or routine and is uncommon, unusual, and unexpected. Applicant's unrebutted testimony reflects that the injury occurred so quickly that he did not initially realize what had happened until he saw his leg. The defendant's contentions that applicant had noticed that the injury would occur because of his warnings to his co-workers to be careful with his rope were unpersuasive. The California Attorney General joined a coalition of 20 state attorneys general in filing an amicus brief in the Federal Court of Appeals to address significant issues of antitrust and anti-competitive pharmaceutical agreements involving AbbVie's drug, Humira. AbbVie allegedly employed numerous strategies to prevent any competition to Humira, including entering into a multiple anti-competitive agreement with rival drug companies. Humira is the world's largest selling drug, generating sales of about $20 billion a year and costing each patient about $39,000 a year for treatment. These anti-competitive agreements are known as pay-for-delay agreements. They allowed rival companies to compete against Humira outside the United States, but required the rival rival companies to delay the introduction in the U.S. of a competitive product. Last June, a federal judge granted AbbVie's motion to dismiss the lawsuit, ruling that the allegations fell short of the kind of competitive harm remedied by antitrust law. The dismissal has now been appealed to the United States Court of Appeals for the Seventh Circuit. California has thus joined forces with the attorneys general of about 20 other states hoping to overturn the dismissal. And now another opioid drug maker, Malincrod, has filed for bankruptcy protection in order to implement a settlement of their involvement in opioid litigation. They are the third major drug maker to seek bankruptcy protection because of opioid claims. Last February, the company said it planned to have its generic drug business file for bankruptcy as part of a tentative $1.6 billion opioid settlement. Last March, the company also lost a court battle to avoid paying higher rebates to state Medicaid programs for its top-selling drug. Thus, in September, Mallinckrodt hired restructuring advisors to help limit its liabilities regarding the opioid settlement and a potential restructuring. Mallinckrodt just announced that as part of its bankruptcy, it has agreed to pay $1.6 billion over several years to settle the opioid-related litigations. About $450 million would be paid as part of its settlement once the company emerged from Chapter 11 bankruptcy. The company would then pay $200 million in the first and second year after its emergence from the bankruptcy, and $150 million subsequently through the seventh year. Malincrad has agreed to pay $260 million over seven years to resolve disputes related to its multiple sclerosis drug, HP Acthargel, and pay out rebates to state Medicaid programs. Under terms of the settlement, the court's supervised process will lead to the creation of a trust which will establish an abatement fund to offset the expense of helping to combat opioid addiction and providing support to communities impacted by opioid abuse. The court-supervised process is also expected to resolve all opioid-related claims against Malincrod and its uh, subsidiaries. And our crime report. A Santa Monica Day Spa owner has been charged in federal court with accumulating N95 respirators in anticipation of the COVID-19 pandemic and then price gouging by selling the scarce masks at vastly inflated prices, sometimes nearly 1,100% over their list price. 55-year-old Nikki Schwartz of Santa Monica, the owner of tycoon Holistic Spa, was charged with one count of hoarding and price gouging. In a plea agreement, also just filed, Schwartz agreed to plead guilty to the misdemeanor offense. Schwartz admitted that she began accumulating N95 respirators in anticipation of a shortage that would be caused by a global pandemic. From February until the end of June, Schwartz accumulated about 20,000 N95 masks that had been manufactured by 3M and had a list price ranging from $1.02 to $1.27 each, and Alpha Pro masks that had a list price of $0.86 each. In March, the United States government designated N95 masks as scarce materials under the Defense Production Act of 1950. Schwartz admitted that she obtained the N95 respirators for the purpose of reselling them at above market rates and that she sold the masks for up to $15 each. Last March, an associate informed Schwartz that the associate was going to stop selling N95 masks because she believed it was a crime and that price gouging could result in one year in prison but Schwartz continued to sell the masks at inflated prices. The hoarding and price gouging offense that Schwartz admits in the plea agreement carries a statutory maximum sentence of one year in federal prison. Mitchell, a company headquartered in San Diego, announced the new Mitchell Provider Data Explorer solution, which provides a holistic view of medical provider behavior in the property and casualty industry. Its provider Data Explorer enables both auto casualty and workers' comp claims organizations to analyze medical provider treatment and billing behaviors to identify irregular activities that may signal fraud, waste, and abuse. According to the Coalition Against Insurance Fraud, Fraud accounts for 5-10% to of claims costs for U.S. and Canadian insurers, costing about $80 billion per year for all lines of insurance. By providing visual depictions of claims data, the visualization tool compares medical provider behavior to that of their peers. Users can see provider peer-to-peer comparisons that can be used in a variety of ways, including easily pinpointing outliers in order to help identify potential fraudulent or abusive medical provider treatment or billing behaviors for investigation. The new data visualization tool tracks a variety of metrics related to provider behavior, including treatment duration, treatment frequency, billing and adjustment behaviors, and procedure codes that, if incorrect, may disproportionately drive up the charged amount. Mitchell's announcement gave examples of how its customers have already reported success using Provider Data Explorer for a variety of purposes. Medical provider data quality is a chronic issue, with the healthcare industry spending two point one. million billion annually to maintain provider databases. Mitchell Provider Data Explorer is currently available to Mitchell Decision Point bill review customers and will be rolled out to Mitchell Smart Advisor bill review customers in phases through the end of 2020. And in regulatory news, a National Council on Compensation Insurance report concluded that most COVID claims are turning out to be small-dollar claims. If COVID-19 behaves like other workers' compensation, lung, and disease claims, about 2 out of 100 cases may result in some degree of permanent partial disability and 1 out of 5,000 may result in permanent total disability. NCCI senior division executive for regulatory business management said that's not enough to be a major cost driver since there is only a small percentage of claims that will result in permanent disability. NCCI said in a previous study that eight and a half percent of workers who file claims will require hospitalization for moderate symptoms and one and a half percent will develop severe cases that require critical care. But now there is a 2.3% chance that a reported COVID-19 claim will result in permanent partial disability, and there's a 0.05% chance that a COVID claim will result in permanent total injury. However, the Claims Journal analysis continues to note that data reported by state officials in California and Florida suggest that COVID-19 claims have become a sizable fraction of the total number of workers' compensation claims filed in those states. The Florida Division of Workers' Comp reports more than 21,000 COVID-19 indemnity claims have been filed as of September 30 or 31.8% of the total number of injury and illness claims in the state. Yet Marsh issued a report this week that concludes many of the most dire predictions about COVID-19's impact on workers' compensation system have not been realized. According to one respondent to the Health Strategy Associates survey, The claims filed so far have proven to be inexpensive. 96% cost less than $3,500. The Division of Workers' Compensation announced its emergency regulations 36.7 and 46.2 for medical legal evaluations, which became effective last May, will now expire on March 12, 2021. There are two possible 210-day extensions if the governor's executive orders remain in effect. The regulations concern how medical legal evaluations and payment for those evaluations can occur during this emergency period. QME Regulation 36.7 specifies how and under what circumstances the parties may serve documents electronically. QME Regulation 46.2 specifies how and under what circumstances QME, AME, and other evaluations may be conducted by telehealth. The emergency regulations can be found on the DWC website. The Division of Workers' Compensation has posted an order adjusting the pathology and clinical laboratory section of the official medical fee schedule to conform to changes in the Medicare payment system, which is required by the California Labor Code. The update includes fee schedule changes identified in a CMS transmittal and change request, which may be accessed on the Medicare website. The DWC has also posted an order adjusting the Hospital Outpatient Departments and Ambulatory Surgical Centers section of the official medical fee schedule. The Hospital Outpatient Department and Ambulatory Surgical Centers fee schedule update order also adopts the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services Medicare changes. The orders adopting the OMFS adjustment is effective for services on or after October 1, 2020, and is posted on the DWC website. And in medical news, the U.S. healthcare industry is undergoing significant disruptions as the coronavirus pandemic catalyzed the need for improved healthcare delivery and digital health startups are at the helm of this transformation. Globally, healthcare funding to private firms reached $18.09 billion. That's $18.09 billion in the second quarter of 2020, establishing a new quarterly record. In its new report, Insider Intelligence examined the top five US digital health startups in artificial intelligence, telehealth, and medical devices the areas of digital health with the most number of startup deals in the first half of 2020. One of the key takeaways from this report claim that the artificial intelligence, telehealth, and and medical device spaces are the three areas of healthcare where technology is causing the biggest disruptions in healthcare. These spaces represent the digital health market areas that scored the most number of startup deals in the first half of 2020. AI's ability to rapidly sift through vast sums of data, facilitate remote patient monitoring, and power digital therapeutics highlights the transformative power of its tech in healthcare, and it's attracting substantial investor attention. Telehealth usage and investments have surged amid the coronavirus pandemic, underscoring how virtual care solutions are already making a sizable impact on the healthcare delivery landscape. The medical device market with tech, ranging from remote monitoring devices to robotics-based surgical tools, is experience, experiencing record-breaking investment activity. The full report identifies the top five U.S. startups to watch in the AI, telehealth, and medical device markets, and shares forward-looking insights on what's next for each of the featured startups. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more and remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, your iPad, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news, podcast and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Fulce with Lloyd Skarin, Manukian, and Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news.